Welcome to the Helping Families Be Happy podcast, where we explore the often messy world of family, love, and relationships. I'm your host for this podcast, Adina Oberman, a mom, former preschool teacher, picture book lover, and member of the Familius Marketing team. We welcome today's guest, Richard Iyer. Richard and Linda Iyer are the New York Times number one bestselling authors whose writing career has spanned four decades and whose books have sold in the millions. They have appeared on virtually all major national talk shows, including Oprah and Today, have lectured in more than 50 countries, and have seen their books translated into a dozen languages. Today, we're discussing attitudes of gratitude. This podcast aligns with the familiar habits of healthy families, learn together, and talk together. You can learn more about the Familius 10 Habits of Happy Families by going to the Habit Hub blog on Familius.com. Welcome, Richard. Thank you so much for joining us. Hey, it's my pleasure to be with you, Adina. And what could be better than the habits of happy families, right? And uh, a lot of those habits come into play this season of the year as we get closer to Thanksgiving and Christmas. I'm not even mentioning Halloween, right? Because <laughs> those that's too close and the trick-or-treaters are on their way. So I wanted to start off by telling a really brief story, but it's a good story. And your listeners are going to be very interested. It's basically how I met Familius and how I met Christopher Robbins. And it's a pretty interesting story. We had, as you so kindly pointed out, we've been publishing and writing for a lot of decades. And we've been fortunate enough to have some really name publishers. We've We've written books for Simon & Schuster, for Random House, for McGraw-Hill, for Penguin, and even for Golden Books, believe it or not. So we've been around the track a few times, but I was getting, personally, I was getting really tired of the bureaucracy of some of the big publishers. And I'm going to be blunt. I hope no one blames me for this, but it was kind of like if we had a bestseller we were the most important people in the world, and we'd get to have dinner in the Rainbow Room and get awards and so on. But when we had a book that was not doing quite as well, we were kind of down the pecking order, and it was hard to even reach anyone. And I had thought for a long time that I wanted a, a publisher who was more of a partner than just a publisher. And we ran into Christopher, and he and I just hit it off partly because we're both the fathers of nine children. You don't meet too many people that you have that in common with. And the more I talked to Christopher, I thought, well, whatever we will give up in terms of name brand and and the power of big companies and their marketing and so on, it'll be more than made up for by people that we trust and people that we like and people who are just interested in families. And that's that's all we write about. So it was kind of like a perfect marriage. It was like love at first sight. And so we've now done nine books with Familius, one of which is about gratitude. And so what a great thing to talk about today. You may know, Anina, that this book first came out. It was called The Thankful Heart. And it had a nice run for a few years, and it's a 
it's a basically a pretty big book on the philosophy of gratitude. It even has at the end all of our Thanksgiving cards from years and years because in our family, oh my goodness, about 30 years ago, we, we stopped sending Christmas cards and we decided to start sending Thanksgiving cards. And I would write a poem. It was my my main effort of the year at poetry. I'd write a poem about gratitude, and we'd put our family picture, and we'd send it out at Thanksgiving time back in the day when there was no email. We'd mail them in the mail. And a lot of people still like to send greeting cards in the snail mail, which is pretty nice. And what we learned that first year is that if you send out Thanksgiving cards, one of the benefits, one of the side benefits of doing that is you get more Christmas cards because everyone gets your Thanksgiving card and they say, oh, there's the Ayers. We better send, we better put them on our Christmas card list. <laughs> but anyway, we we just love the idea of gratitude. And then as an example of how smart Familius is, after that Thankful Heart book had a good run, Christopher and others said, let's condense it down to a little book, Daily Thanks. And this is essentially a gratitude journal. And so many people keep gratitude journals and bless their hearts. It's a great thing to do because one of the things, one of our quotes that we start off the book with says, gratitude is not a path toward happiness. Gratitude is happiness in its most obtainable form. In other words, you and I can't just get up one morning and say, I'm going to be happy today. Because happiness is a fleeting thing, and you don't always control everything that brings happiness. But if you get up and say, today, I'm going to be grateful, that you can control. And that's what leads to happiness. That's what is happiness. And so this little book, I'm going on here a bit, but I'll, I'll stop in a minute and get your comments. But it has a section for each month. And it starts in November, as you might expect. And every month you write a little different slant of gratitude in this journal. It has blank pages for every day. And each month you approach it in a little different way. For example, in November, it's just the traditional gratitude. It's like write down five to 10 things every day that you're grateful for and do it for the whole month. But then when you get to December, it takes a little different slant. When it gets to January, it takes a little different slant. For example, in January, the challenge is, I'll read you the challenge. Wake up, notice more, take more in, spend more time inside yourself, rejoicing and not as much time outside yourself worrying. And it goes on with a little poem and then it says, so this month, try to taste more, smell more, look more, listen harder. Feel more with both your skin and your soul. Each day, write down one new thing, the one that your senses revealed to you. So you focus on your senses in January. And then February, it's a different perspective. March, it's a, so you're always doing a gratitude journal, but with a little different perspective each month. And we love it. I mean, this, honestly, this is I have a journal too, but I don't I don't write in it every day, but I write in my thankful journal every day. And wow, it makes a difference. And it gets to the heart of our, t our topic today, Adina. 
the attitude of gratitude. I'm so glad those two words rhyme, aren't you? Absolutely. I don't know what else we would call this episode if it didn't rhyme. <laughs> I have a but poem. Absolutely. And I think you bring up so many things that are so important, especially today when the flow of life can be so busy, especially as you said, for families between all of our obligations, whether it's family obligations, school obligations, community obligations, it can feel like there's hardly time to stop and appreciate all that is coming in through your senses, like you mentioned. And I think it's a really, it's an important reminder for all of us to sort of slow down and appreciate what's around us. Well, you're so right, Adina. In fact, I just the other day, I was talking to someone who was really having a hard time, and I didn't know what to say to this woman, but I, I said, have you ever, she's a busy woman. She's got several young children and so on, and she was just kind of at her wit's end. And and I said, have you ever tried keeping a gratitude journal? And <laughs> she looked at me and said, are you kidding? I don't have time to brush my teeth. How would I find time to write in a gratitude journal? And I, I thought to myself that the problem is, especially for, I think, particularly at centers with young moms and you're a mom and you know how this feels. You, you're taking care of other people all day long. And the one you leave out is yourself, right? And sometimes what we have to understand is if we don't take care of ourselves, we're not very good at taking care of other people. And if we could just, you can't draw from an empty well, you know, and I, and I said to this lady, this woman, I said, writing in a gratitude journal won't take more than 30 seconds every day. But what it'll do for you is it'll, number one, you won't be looking at a device. It's, it's amazing today how many people, when they have a minute, right, they're busy. They have a minute. What do they do? They check their social media. And I'm not sure that does anybody any good. I mean, all that does is show you pictures of other moms or other people who look like they have it more together than you do. And you start feeling guilty and you start comparing. But there's something about setting aside, having a free moment. And instead of pulling out your phone, pull out a pen, an actual pen. Pull out an actual piece of paper, an actual gratitude journal, and think, yeah, I've had a tough day today, but what am I grateful for today? And it changes your whole mindset, and, you, and you've got this tactile thing, and you, you write down, this was, there was an exceptional sunset tonight. I wish I'd taken more time to watch it, but I'm grateful for it. What, whatever it is, some little thing, or... Johnny and Peter actually went to sleep on time and didn't fight with each other today. Just whatever it is. And there may be, <laughs> I mean, if you had another book that said what went wrong today, that it might be <laughs> longer, right? But that I wouldn't be great. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the gratitude journal, I mean, I just think it's a beautiful thing because when you're grateful, it for, I mean, you know, everyone says, oh, be positive, think positive. Well, that's hard to do when you're having a tough day. And you're like, like how do I think positive? Everything's negative right now. But if you say, no, all you got to do is think of one little thing you're grateful for. Then that opens the curtains a little and you start saying, maybe life's not so bad. <laughs> I think that's a really good point because, as you said, especially parents and mothers can feel so overwhelmed by all that they need 
to do in a day and it can feel difficult to get started. So I like the idea that you're sharing and that the, that daily thanks shares is all you need is just one thing that you're grateful for 30 Mm -hmm. seconds or a minute of time to get you started with practicing, realizing what you're grateful for and noticing what's around you. And, and it can, it can only grow from there. Well, That's why you, you make a good point that it sort of sets an attitude. I've talked to a lot of people who do gratitude journals, and one of the things I like to ask them is, when do you do it? And believe it or not, most people, the majority, say, well, I do it at night. I do it in the evening. I do it before I go to bed because then I can think back over the day and I can say, what am I grateful for? But I, I'm almost persuaded by the ones who say, and this gets to your point, Adina, I do it in the morning. Because I want to set a tone for the day where I'm looking for things to be grateful for. And the thing I think of in the morning might be something from yesterday, but I've sort of repositioned my mind. I've repositioned my attitude instead of what we usually do. And again, I, I realize this is useful and necessary, but typically we get up and we we make a list of the things we've got to do or the appointments we've got or the obligations. we And you need to do that. I mean, we have to write it down or we'll forget stuff, right? But if that's the first thing you do, it's almost like you're tired before you even start, right? It's like, whoa, I'm overwhelmed. And now you think, oh, maybe I should write in my gratitude journal. Wait, I just wrote down 23 things I have to do today. I don't have time for that. But if you begin with the gratitude, then everything else seems a little more mellow and maybe a little more, uh, you can do it. You can deal with it. You can handle it because you're grateful. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, I think you've given us a lot of, a lot of good ways to get started because I I think it, it sounds like that can sort of be the, the stumbling block at first is where do you start? Where do you find the time? So maybe starting at night or even in the daytime and carving out those little pieces of time for yourself can make a huge difference. Let me, read you, let me read you one little paragraph from the introduction to this book, because I think it captures what you're saying and what I'm saying. Most people acknowledge the connection between thankfulness and happiness. We take it a step further. As I said, gratitude is not a path to happiness. It is happiness. Almost 40 years ago, we decided to stop sending thank- Christmas cards and start sending Thanksgiving cards instead. As we raised our children, we tried to show them the magic and the joy of gratitude. That's another thing, Adina. Little kids are good at gratitude. They can become our teachers. You give an eight-year-old a gratitude journal, what are you thankful for? They'll think of things you didn't even notice. And it's an acquired skill, isn't it? It's It's an acquired taste. You get better and better at it. It, it, As you try to think of what you're grateful for each day, you start to notice more. You start to look for more. And it really, really gets powerful. So, But here's here's one more little part. We used to start off each year determined to have a gratitude entry every day. But as the year went on, we became less diligent. It's like a New Year's resolution. You're great in January, but it slips away. Then we discovered by focusing on a different type of gratitude each month, we could maintain it throughout the year. So, I mean, no one argues with that. Nobody says, oh, you can't, it's a bad thing to be grateful. No one says that, but we just let it slip away from us. 
and each month in in the little gratitude journal starts with a a poem and i i just came back i don't know if anyone would be able to see this but if you're on video we live in park city utah and it's just so gorgeous today late autumn and i i just came back from a long hike and then when i came in I was looking at the November, the, the month of November in the Gratitude Journal, and it fits so well because the poem says, there are certain perfect late autumn days that lend themselves to reflection and remembering. The certainty of winter induces fond recall of longer, warmer days that have passed. The sky spreads wide like a mackerel memory, its bright scales revealing the needs of past deeds. The peace of early release as we approach the holiday season that is named after the synonym for happiness, Thanksgiving. Let's make it a verb instead of a noun. Isn't that nice? So beautiful. And it so beautiful and so appropriate. World. Yeah, yeah. So I I don't mean to go overboard on this, but no, I am, no. I'm grateful for gratitude. Absolutely. I think it's like I said, it's so easy to get lost in in the responsibilities of every day and in our tasks. And I think that when you do stop and take those moments and, and you're mindful of all that you have to be grateful for, it is really something that, that fills you up and changes your perspective. You I know, want to just quickly, one other thing sure. you can do as a family, Adina, is share your gratitude. I mean, it's one thing to write it in a journal. But if you share it with your family members, now we have adult children and we liked it at the end of, not every day, obviously, but whenever we think of it, let's just share our gratitude with each other. And so you're hearing from your daughter, Shawnee in Arizona, who is grateful for this. And you're like, yeah, I'm grateful that you found that. And, and part sharing it sort of makes it more real. Yes. And I think it also helps to normalize this, the practice and the practice of, of sharing, which I think is important for all families, especially, but like you said, with families with young children, it can be difficult for, for kids sometimes to stop and think outside of themselves, right? That's a, a cognitive skill that children right. are begin only beginning to develop in those early wow. years. And then it grows from there. And so we want to, we want to encourage that. And so I think as parents modeling that mindfulness of all that we have to be grateful for. It's really important. And it also shows children how important it is to express what you're feeling. And, um, it, and leads, I think it leads into Christmas so beautifully. I mean, that's what I love is you, you're focusing on gratitude and now Christmas comes. Something we've always done that I just love is we, we don't mix the family gift giving with the Santa Claus giving. We do the family giving on Christmas Eve because it's all about gratitude. And little Billy gives little Sally a, a little present that he's made or he's bought at the dollar store or something. And the whole focus is gratitude. Sally's hugging Billy and saying, oh, I'm so grateful. I'm so thankful to you that you gave me this little gift. And you get all that feeling of gratitude on Christmas Eve. And then on Christmas morning, just let it all loose and Santa Claus comes and it's all about getting. So the night before is giving and gratitude and the next day is just Santa Claus. <laughs> just fun, just pure fun. Right. Well, that actually leads me to a question that I wanted to ask is, do you have guidance for 
parents or you know any caring adult for the moments, like you said, when kids are opening lots of gifts and maybe it's Christmas, maybe it's Hanukkah, maybe it's their birthday. But do you have guidance for parents to give to kids in those moments where they are focusing on the receiving more so than the giving and the, and the gratitude? Do you have things that parents can, can say or, or things they can put into practice to make sure that you do redirect them to that, that um, thankfulness? Christmas is a great time to do that because not only can you separate the giving night from the and the re- receiving night from the the getting day, but also this sounds a little strange, but we back when our kids wrote Santa Claus letters, we would all sit down the day after Christmas and we would write thank you letters to Santa Claus, and it was so interesting to watch our little kids do this because they'd never thought of that before. They're like. Thank you for my toy and coming all that way in your sleigh. And please thank the elves for me and (laughs) the reindeer. And please say thank you to Mrs. Claus, who probably spent a lot of lonely nights while you were out delivering. I mean, and it just the whole mindset. And and if you start that and then what a lot of things before a birthday or before some other gift comes, it's not a bad idea to sit down with a small child and say, we want to be grateful for two reasons. One is it makes the person who gives you the gift feel really good. And you know, grandma's probably going to give you a birthday present tomorrow. And if you say thank you to her and really mean it, look at her in the eye and give her a hug, she's going to feel so happy. And you know what the other reason is? You'll feel happier if you say thank you. And we sometimes don't give kids enough credit. If you teach them that and they do it and they do feel happy and they know grandma feels happy, they've learned a lesson they'll never forget and they'll be grateful the next time. Yeah, I agree with you. I think those those moments make a big a big difference. One of the traditions that in, in my husband and I started when my daughter was born originally is giving back. We yeah. celebrate Hanukkah in our family. And so you, we, have, we have eight nights of opening gifts, which is so much fun and exciting, but also it can sort of, in addition to all of the other holiday traditions, of course, the kids are excited and they can they end up being very focused on the gifts. So right. we started taking my kids to the store to pick out gifts to donate to other kids. And I remember that the first time we did it, we brought we brought the gifts to a donation box that had actually the day before been overflowing with toys. But when we brought it, I guess it had just been emptied and the box was completely empty. And so the feeling that we all got for starting to put something into that empty box was really special and something that for me as a grown up, you know, will, will always stick with me, but that I, I hope my kids will, will carry with them because they got this. It was hard. It was hard to pick out something to give to someone else and not to themselves Um, but being that person to start to start off that that great holiday for so many kids i think made a big impact so i i agree with you that finding finding ways for children to participate and modeling modeling the appreciation you have it makes right a big difference you've just made a really really interesting i think it's a profound connection that a lot of people don't think about that we call it the two G words. They're inseparably connected, gratitude and generosity. Think about it. The more 
the more grateful we are, and it applies to children, of course, but think about yourself. The more grateful you are, the more inclined you are to give and to be generous. Because if you're not grateful, if you have an entitlement attitude, which is sort of the opposite of gratitude, which so many kids have today, we have one of our best-selling books is called The Entitlement Trap. And you can picture it in your mind. These kids are like, well, I deserve that. Well, I, why do you deserve it? Well, because all my friends have it. I mean, I'm entitled. And that is the opposite of gratitude. And when kids get past that and they start being grateful, the next thing that's very natural is to think about those who don't have as much and giving to them. So when you're developing gratitude, you're also subtly developing generosity. Yes, that's such a good point. And I think that these are all skills that we, I think as adults, we try to continue to cultivate. And right. it, when we when we plant those seeds early on in our kids, I think we we can watch them grow from from a really early age. So I I really like the way that you put that. It's clear that this is a topic that you're very passionate about and that I think we could both keep talking about for a while, but I want to make sure that our listeners can can get in contact with you or find you online. So can you talk about the best way for people to reach you online? Sure. It's really simple, Adina. For 30 years now, I mean, from the very earliest websites, we've had this wonderful website that's grown over all these years. And it's easy to remember, values, parenting, all strung together, valuesparenting.com. And that's sort of our repository for everything. That's where all our books are. That's where our Joy School program that many of your listeners know about, that's where that is. And there's a teaching children responsibility. And to your point, there is a contact us button. And when people reach out through that button on the homepage of Values Parenting, we read them. We don't job that out. We don't delegate that. We don't have some person that filters them or reads them or sends us the ones they want. We read them and we respond to them. So. We love to hear from familiar book buyers. And so that's how to reach us. Thank you so much for being with us today, Richard. As we conclude today's podcast, I'd like to thank Familius for their support in bringing this podcast to your ears and your heart. We'd be thrilled if you subscribed to the podcast and left us a review. And when you're ready for that next amazing book adventure, we'd be honored if you choose a book from Familius. One step at a time we can make the world a happier place. Thank you so much.